what's going on everybody welcome to another whiskey web and whatnot with myself robert william wagner the first and my co-host charles william carpenter the third with our guest today nate moore how's it going nate hey it's going great it's a big day yeah yeah it's uh astro v1 day right yeah we just launched like hours ago nice oh my gosh <laughs> are we finally going to finish converting our uh, company site over to astro now then it's been mostly converted we'll get into this in the in the tech topics all right the reasons why i haven't finished <laughs> can't wait yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh if you want to tell the folks at home a little bit about who you are or what you do yeah absolutely my name is nate i'm a core maintainer on astro with a bunch of other awesome folks and I actually am a engineer at the Astro Technology Company, which we formed to make this a sustainable project for the foreseeable future. So really excited to be part of that. And yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. Pretty awesome. Is that like uh, actual swag shirt you have on? It says something about Space Shuttle on it for those who can't see. Oh, yes. This is a uh, NASA jacket. Ah, Sweet. Some of the folks on the core team got, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very on brand. I like it. <laughs> nice. Yep. Cool. Yeah, so before we dive more into Astro, let's get into this Laws whiskey here. We have today the Centennial Straight Wheat Whiskey, which means it is all wheat. Mm -hmm. Which, can you even say it's whiskey then? Doesn't whiskey require some corn? No, 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 just bourbon. Oh, okay. Just bourbon requires corn. Whiskey can be whatever grains kind of you want. And I think whiskey itself. Can I make it from grapes? Uh, that's not a grain. So. <laughs> so it has to be a grain. I believe it is from grains. And then it also has to be like aged in barrels, but they can be used barrels and whatever else with other whiskeys. So, you know, it's all tricky. Gotcha. It's kind of the wild, wild, wild west or something otherwise. So, yeah, this is a place out of Colorado. Seems wild westy. It is a uh, centennial, which I, I don't know if that's a play off the, the whole bonded. It's 100 proof, hmm. all wheat, all the time, five years. It says harvest of centennial, which is what they call their heirloom spring soft white varietal, mm -hmm. I think. Oh, sounds interesting. I'm into it. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's get to pouring. Okay. That's satisfying pops. I already opened mine. Yeah. Oh, we did too, but then we like recap it just so we can get that sound effect. Ah, genius. Very satisfying. Pro moves. You got to have the sound. I mean, we've done this like 48 times or something, right? So we're, <laughs> we're working up. 47, I think? 47? I don't know. Okay. Fair enough. Somewhere in that vicinity. Hmm. Has a very mild smell to it. Mm-hmm. It's almost got a little bit of like honey to me in the smell. Hmm. No? Hey, you're influencing me, but I smell that as well. <laughs> not just on Twitter. Definitely not on Twitter. Charles W. has like one follower on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And it's you. Turns out it's you. <laughs> I'm more of a lurker anyway. So yeah, I'm getting a little honey and a little like lemon, lemony. I'm getting a little bit of floral. Okay. I can't put my finger on what type of floral. Like fresh flowers of some kind. Now you affected me because I feel like I got a little floral. Mm taste there hmm. hmm a little pepper a little pepper on the finish for me a little floral in the initial it's like a kind of like a rye light <laughs> like not as spicy as a rye but like not as smooth as all corn you know what i mean yeah it definitely has a little bite to it i don't know what do you think nate 
I think it's delicious. And I think I don't have a great frame of reference for this. Uh, <laughs> I'm mostly a beer guy, but I really like it. That's all that matters. If you like it, it's good. Doesn't matter how much it costs or what it's made of. Yeah, Bruce Webb and whatnot just didn't have the same ring to it, so we had to, we had to do whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I still get that floral in the beginning. Still get a little peppery in the middle. Maybe a little bitter rind on the end for me. Not a lot of wood or, or anything like that. Yeah. No. I was getting a bit of the wood. Getting a little bit of like some kind of marinade or something. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. So maybe like a lemon something marinade or something. I could kind of see that. Nate's getting wood. This is this is a family friendly show, Nate, though. So <laughs> Nate's getting wood. Let's not share that. Oh. <laughs> it's not a family friendly show. You can say whatever you want. No, it's not. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's all subjective anyway. There's no like wrong answers, right? It tastes like what it tastes like to you. Yeah. If it's your favorite and you taste wood, wood it up. Yeah, it is. On the citrus, it's very like lemony is right. It's not. I feel like it's usually like more orangey or. Yeah. The lemon is interesting. Yeah, that is like real interesting. And I don't know if that's a character of the kind of wheat because of a regular wheat. Centennial. Yeah, right. Centennial wheat maybe has a more bitter quality to it. Yeah, I feel like a normal weeded bourbon or something tends to get sweeter and mild. You don't get any real pepperiness. Yeah, I imagine that it's much different than the wheat we consume and everything else, which is no nutrients and terrible. (laughs) (laughs) The bottle says apple and orange blossoms, but I'm not getting... Oh, see, blossoms. There we go. Yeah, maybe that's the floral aspect, though. And lilacs. Yeah. See? Ooh. I'm glad I didn't read all this. Look how sophisticated I am. Right. You're actually getting it. I'm not getting any of the uh, apple or wild strawberry, though. Mm, marmalade maybe marmalade was like the smell like the sweet honey like smell bar bergamot yeah yeah oh, there's honey oh okay the earthy minerality that can only be from colorado <laughs> oh yeah isn't this the one that has the uh the special mineral water that we were debating mm. do you remember that it could be i don't remember many things i don't remember 20 minutes ago because we were like the New York mineral water versus the oh Kentucky one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kentucky, they say it's the limestone water. So there's limestone there. And so the running water picks up limestone mineralities. Mm. And that's why they say Kentucky bourbon is the best bourbon because the water <laughs> and the water and, you know, the climate changes. We got all that. But it's not on a boat. It's not on a boat. I do think every place that make some liquid says their water is the best for some special reason because you definitely go to brewery tours in chicago and they're like yeah the lake michigan water like right it's way better than anywhere else i guess everybody's just got the same shtick Hmm. or like in philadelphia they tell you it's the water for their bread that makes their cheesesteaks the best because the bread you just can't replicate the water of philly i don't know Hmm. you gotta have some sort of like pool Like when everything becomes so ubiquitous and you can go to the grocery store and buy anything in any season you want, they're like, wait, what makes us different? Yeah. The water. Mm. The water. (laughs) It's always about, it comes back to the water. It's the most important part. Where are you, Nate? I'm just outside of Chicago. All right. So that's why you go into Chicago for those brewery tours. Yes. Fair enough. (laughs) All right. Now is the time with which we rate our things. And I'm going to have Robbie go first and he can explain the scale. Okay. Yeah. Our scale is one to eight tentacles and one is the worst. Like you would 
never want to have it again. Eight is like, I'm never going to drink any other whiskey. This is the best. Throw all the rest away. Usually we fall somewhere in between the two. For me, I'm going to say this is like a five. I'm kind of lumping it into rise because it's kind of similar flavor a little bit. And it's just not as good as a rye to me. So I'll say five. Interesting. All right, Nate. You can categorize it any way you want. So I was going to go with a six. It feels pretty solid. I would definitely come back to this. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's a bit different than what I've had before. So definitely the like citrusy lemony thing I like. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Yeah, I'm kind of vacillating between a five and a six myself because I'm like unclear where I want to categorize it. I almost feel like it should just be in the category of oh, different whiskeys and which of these different whiskeys would I have? So I feel like it's good and interesting in that it's repeatable in that category. At first, when I tasted it, I wasn't, I was like, ah, this is okay. It's actually getting a little bit better each sip. So wanting to come back and give that a shot and even maybe try it in a cocktail. Nate looks like you're, you're bumping up right into the, uh, the ice cube. Yes. And I could see it like getting cooled down a little bit might actually give it some, uh, <laughs> some different things. Although, you know, I'm adamant that I will always try it as intended. So I, yeah, I'm going to stick with the six. I'm like, yeah, this is interesting. I can recall their other laws being good. So I would go back to laws and try some of their other stuff too. So I'm going to post it right here, set into it, stamp it, six it is. All right. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I could probably be swayed to come up to six. We could just just say it's basically a six. Yeah, yeah. that's clearly the right answer. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we found. Six, six, six. Turns out we're the devil. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is not the devil is Astro. That was smooth. Good transition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it depends who you ask, right? Yes. There's a lot of buzz around Astro. People have been talking about it in all kinds of different spots. I think it's pretty cool. We use it for the 1787 website for our co-working space. Uh, I've been working on converting our website, but it's been slow. Like a lot of stuff has been in flux, as you know, working to 1.0 and yep. all of that. But um, I guess before I ramble too much about nonsense, <laughs> do you want to give a quick intro to people who might not know? Like, what is Astro? Yeah, Absolutely. So Astro, we've been referring to it as this all-in-one web framework. So the idea is a lot of the stuff you need is kind of built in. There's really good defaults. And specifically, we're targeting like content-based websites. So not like heavy interactive apps as much as like just need to get some content out there. Astro is like a really great choice for that. So there's a bunch of stuff to dive into in that description, but we're kind of focused on server first. And our big claim to fame was like popularizing partial hydration as a technique. So we can definitely chat about that some more. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to kind of move around here a bit. <laughs> so to piggyback off of what you were saying that it's mainly for, you know, like a static site generator for lack of a better term. But I think and correct me if I'm totally wrong here, that I've seen some packages that are like Astro Spa or something like to turn it into a spa. Yeah, that's definitely something we're looking into. I had a PR for a long time and it just didn't make the cut for 1.0. But now that we're out of this uh, pre 1.0 world, it's definitely something I want to go back to. So, yeah, we're kind of proudly like MPA first, which 
that's only in reference to spas. So it's just a regular website. <laughs> right. Like you would get from uh, any other server side framework. And it is funny because I think it's such the ecosystem just goes in circles around this, like thick client, thin client, <laughs> all that fun stuff. But uh, it is funny to see people come into the ecosystem and be like, where's your link component? It's like, that's just an anchor tag. Like, <laughs> you don't need a component, right? Right. Yeah, we've definitely been heavy handed with some of the things that have come out. And it's refreshing to be able to like my goal and I guess kind of the goal of Astro in general is like not to ship any JavaScript. So it's like it's really cool because you can basically code it as if you were using JavaScript. You can import yep. your stuff. You can like write your loops and do your things and it just magically goes away, which is awesome. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that we were kind of looking at the history of web development. And there was a lot of good stuff before React came around that we liked a lot of that. And then we also loved like so many of the DX improvements that React brought and like component based architecture is just makes so much more sense. And like, how can we kind of mix these two worlds and keep it static so you're not shipping a ton of JavaScript to the client, but that's what you're comfortable in. So you're going to write that on the server and it hopefully feels very fluent. I think it's been a great reaction so far. So, and it kind of feels like, and I'm, I haven't been in the weeds on it, but I'm just wondering like, and we've talked about this before a little bit in the previous podcast around having HTML become a first class citizen on the web, Yeah, you know, your browser treating HTML as intended kind of thing, instead of a bunch of magic Dom and shadow Dom work. Yeah. Absolutely. So when we were designing the .astro format, it was really important to us that it felt like HTML, meaning it has some of the weird spec compliant semantics um, that are a little funky <laughs> in HTML. Right. But it's very much like you could take a snippet of HTML and just paste it in. That always annoyed me so much using JSX when you're like, oh, I'll just take this SVG and plop it in. And it's like, oh, got to convert it to JSX first. Mm, yeah. So that was important to us that it was like, if you go on Stack Overflow and you copy and paste something, it just works, hopefully. So close to HTML is kind of the first thing. And that hopefully makes it much more approachable for newcomers to web development. You don't need to like wrap your mind around functions and closures and all this crazy stuff just to like write a component. So the other unique thing about an Astro file is we have these three dashes at the top. So we have a front matter like syntax, but you actually write JavaScript up there. So you kind of do all your setup code on the server in that front matter area that's nicely like portioned off from the rest of your template. Yeah, it's definitely a, a nice syntax. I think the the one thing that I struggled with, well, I'm probably struggled with more than one thing, but uh, <laughs> it was a little bit weird to me that there was no way to like say in that same block, I want this JavaScript. Like mm -hmm. if I have a carousel and I need it to have a little bit of JavaScript, I have to do like a separate script tag at the bottom or something. I don't know if any of that's changed since since 1.0 or anything like that. No, I think what we've been doing mostly is that you write your templates in Astro. And if you want some client-side interactivity, you can reach for a framework. I think what we've found most of the time is that the things you're going to need client-side interactivity for are like fewer 
and far between than you actually think they are. Mm -hmm. So that's what we found. We actually just rebuilt our homepage, astro.build, and we did not reach for a framework at all. There's a couple like interactive parts, but this is kind of where Astro shines because it's just cool. I already have my templating. I can just layer in. It's the sprinkles idea that like just the little bit of JavaScript I need, I can just write like a script tag and handle that there. Yeah, I think I, I wrestled a little bit with because I'm so used to frameworks. I was like, OK, I want I have a carousel and I have like five things. Right. So I want it to be like one of five, two of five, like increase the number. Yep. So I literally had to do old school, like get element, like change inner text or like whatever. And I was like, this isn't that bad, actually. Like, I just forgot that you could do this. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like the platform has come a long way while we were all playing with React. And I think there's a lot more there that is like not as painful as people remember. Yeah, it's come a long way from the days of jQuery was the only way to do everything for sure. Totally. And as I say, like uh, we don't need to lean even on jQuery because the spec has come a long way and you get a lot of things in native JS. So if things like Astro come along and tell you to like lean on the tools we actually have, that would be great, I think, because you were mentioning like newcomers they're often coming out of even like with degrees or, you know, accelerators and everything in between. They're just coming out knowing React. They don't really know what JavaScript can do and, you know, what you can do just out of the box without any of that import stuff. Yeah. And so I think like getting back to being able to build websites and even some applications to a degree without leaning on any of that sugar would be really nice. Yeah. I mean, I think our, our initial pitch in like the beta period was kind of like bring your own framework. And that's absolutely still a thing. If you want to write your components with React or Svelte or Solid or uh, Vue, you can totally do that. That's still something we're going to support. That's something we're going to support forever. But <laughs> I think we've kind of seen the story evolve. And at least personally in our use, we're seeing like you probably don't need it most of the time. Like if you're just adding interactivity for this one thing, like click a button and it opens a cart on the side. Like, I don't know if you totally need to pull in all of you or whatever for that. And that's actually something where we were very excited to be one of the first tools with like solid support. Solid JS is really cool. And it's just really nice to be able to like migrate <laughs> that we support any, any kind of framework. So when the next solid or whatever comes around, if you have a bunch of React components, you can kind of incrementally on this page, I'm going to start using solid and it doesn't affect the rest of your site. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really cool. Like kind of, I feel like the community has been moving more towards things that work together and don't hate each other and like aren't compatible because, you know, I think at the end of the day, the, the more you use like normal web standards and like, make things play well together, the better off we'll be because there's all these companies that, you know, spend five years making a React app, let's say, right? Yep. And then all of a sudden, what if React dies, right? Like if you have a lot of, you know, more like use web components or like things that use less framework bits, all of a sudden you don't mind as much. It's not as painful. Absolutely. I think like setting the baseline of good defaults for like a meta framework is what a lot of people have been referring to Astro as like, I want file-based routing. I want just bundle my scripts and handle my styles and do that kind of stuff. 
I think we've found that decoupling that from the actual framework that you're using is a really big step forward because it frees you up to focus on other things. I think Ryan Carniato, who's been working on Solid, actually really loves Astro because he doesn't need to deal with those problems that we're solving. Mm -hmm. And we love Solid because we don't need to deal with the problems he's solving. Like they are separate spaces and they can coexist and really improve each other. Yeah, that's kind of nice. It's not competing for the same spaces or whatever, because I do feel like there are a lot of frameworks trying to attack different problems and become a slightly more opinionated and sometimes work for speed, sometimes work for, you know, like Redwood is like everything you need for your startup app and Remix is trying to solve its own problems and be on the the edge and whatever else, but then still keep React Router around for some reason. Because they made it. Yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, solid. I've read a lot about solid, too. So, yeah, there's like a lot to figure out all at once and to really like align yourself with a particular like vertical and what you're trying to accomplish initially and then see, OK, do you want to build on top of that? I think that's a smart move. Yeah. And there's been so many great examples. Next.js, we look to a lot as like just a phenomenal developer experience. Yeah. Things we can borrow from there without necessarily tying everybody to React and hopefully making components swappable and being a lot more modular has kind of been the focus. Interesting. So Robbie's thinking about how can he use Ember with Astro? <laughs> I don't think that overlaps. Ember is similar to something like Redwood or like it's a all batteries included. Yeah. You could use just Glimmer, like the rendering engine from it, but I don't know that why people would. <laughs> yeah, we get questions like that sometimes like, oh, when are you going to support this? And it's like that kind of banks itself on being, you know, bottom to top your whole stack. Yeah. So it doesn't make a ton of sense. But one thing that we did do is for history's sake, the team that is working on Astro was originally part of the Snowpack project. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, Snowpack, Skypack is all sort of the same team. So we were working on that, and I think we made this decision when Astro kind of started taking off that Vite is doing what Snowpack was doing even better than we were doing it, and maintaining both of those was just not ever going to be sustainable. So that was a really tough call to make, but I think it has paid off hugely that like I heard somebody recently describe Vite as like the United Nations of JavaScript. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. everybody is building on top of Vite now. And it's just really cool to see because if you hit a bug and you upstream a fix, then everybody's going to benefit from that. And people are really taking it in a lot of different ways. But Vite is just kind of this base layer that takes care of everything for you. So again, a lot more of I don't care about that problem space and you can solve that and that's great and we'll work together and kind of everybody rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I love the nautical reference. It's on brand <laughs> for us. So yes, <laughs> much appreciated. Although I live in the desert, so, you know, it's ironic. <laughs> Not much water there. So I guess we didn't necessarily touch on exactly what all the new things in Astro 1.0 are. So, like, you want to take us through what you've been working on for the past however long and, <laughs> you know, what what made it in and, and what didn't and all that. Totally. So this project, it's been 16 months, I think, from our first commit <sighs> to 1.0. So it's been a long road. <laughs> a big early portion of that was figuring out, like, what Astro is. 
and the move from Snowpack to Vite and all that fun stuff. But recently, it's really been on stability and just making sure we have a really solid foundation for everybody to build on. So a lot of bug fixes, obviously. The kind of core like islands architecture idea has stayed throughout all of this. So that's really core to what we're doing. But the big thing that's changed recently is we were really chasing Markdown since the beginning. We've had Markdown built in and it's just something you're going to reach for so often that it makes sense to have as a default. But we also kind of tried to shoehorn our own syntax in there with like, here's how you can use components in Markdown. And it was basically an Astro file. We would compile it to HTML and then it was Astro. And that's how components worked. Turns out that's a huge can of worms. (laughs) And (laughs) it was just endless bug chasing. It was never going to get to a point where we felt like it was as good as MDX is. So that was a big change before 1.0 was we kind of walked back from that and said like MDX is really great. It's got a huge ecosystem. If we can find a way to plug into that, that would serve us a lot better than trying to do our own thing. So that was a big thing that I've been working on. I think there's a lot of implications of the work that went into unblocking that integration with MDX, which is very similar to JSX. Like I think there's a lot of doors that have been opened by that fundamental work that we had to do there. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Another huge thing we worked on was image optimization. So from the moment we launched, everybody was like, next image component is great. When are you going to do that? And we finally sat down and made what I think is a really great image component. Should feel pretty familiar and works with local images, remote images, all that stuff. And then server-side rendering has been a huge thing as well. That's kind of been on the table, but now we're finally feeling stable with our APIs. And our first website kind of positioned us as this like static site builder. And hopefully we'll be able to shake that reputation. I think the new site tells our story much better as like content focused, but not necessarily fully static all the time. We do have a lot of deployment stories, like basically any platform you want to use we hopefully have an adapter for and it's as easy as running like astro add netlify or Vercel or whoever you want to deploy to so that's been a really big thing too is getting the that whole static versus server (laughs) thing shaken out nice yeah i know for the the first two things i was probably someone filing bugs or complaining (laughs) in discord or something about all the things but that's you know why doesn't someone just bake a thing that takes all images and makes them all just like webp or like why do we need to build this in every framework shouldn't the browser handle it or something like (laughs) you know you should write the spec (laughs) okay yeah but anyway yeah the markdown thing i remember we had like uh i think it was like a less than equal in a markdown file and it broke or something because like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds right. So I, I wrote our compiler, so I can tell you that one was on me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, it's a ton of work to go from, I think people are really spoiled by how much investment like Microsoft has made into TypeScript and just like all the tooling around that stuff. It is so much work to get your own language <laughs> up and running. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's wild. So 
yeah, all those compiler things. I hope there are none lurking, but we're feeling much more <laughs> stable about that. Yeah, I just switched to the like and LT semicolon like yeah that works yeah there's workarounds yeah <laughs> because i was like that'll be future proof that's like html like it'll, it'll just work right so yeah but yeah <laughs> it was fun because it was like i think it was like me and like one other guy were like having that and like commenting back and forth and it was like oh if you use like this version beta like it works and if you use this one it doesn't <laughs> and like you know whatever yeah so fun stuff that sounds right <laughs> So the stability is really the huge story coming out of this. We're feeling really good about where Astro landed. So nice, nice. Excited for people to come build. Yeah, we're going to get there. Yeah. Do you have, uh, I guess, I don't know what metrics you would use. I was going to say, like, do you know how many people like what's the the adoption like of, of like 1.0? Did anyone get stuck before that or? That's a great question. I think we wouldn't really have numbers before <laughs> we added the things that would give us numbers. <laughs> so I'm not sure prior to 1.0, like how many people are still stuck on that. I'm sure we could check NPM, but hopefully people stuck with it. I think it's been a bit of a bumpy ride, but 16 months and uh, feeling pretty good about it now. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a highly accelerated timeline to do everything that you've done. So Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty great. Like people trying it out early is one thing, but like circling back around and updating and and going to production with stuff. Again, if your general focus is mostly around having your content site. Yeah. Take this ride. I I, I don't think that's a a high investment bar. Yeah. Yeah. We're just time broke. That's our most biggest problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Got to try hot new thing.js every day. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of funny cuz I think a lot of the reaction to like Astro is this new framework, like I get the fatigue, like I totally get everybody is sick of this hot new thing that you need to go drop everything and adopt right now. I'm really hopeful that Astro is kind of bucking the trend a little bit there that like we are ready and positioned for whatever the next JS framework is can hopefully build with Astro and work with it. So we put a lot of time into the renderer API so that we can kind of plug in with whatever's next. So hopefully, (laughs) I'm not going to promise that we're ending the trend there because it's definitely not going to happen, but (laughs) that would be nice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have kind of a a partner story to at least speak from around SolidJS. And I'm looking at the show notes now, Robbie. Uh, You mentioned things like web components and stencil, um, so things like that could also be an extension and continuation of the, uh, the story with Astro. Yeah. His question was, I'm going to steal it cause I didn't put anything here. What? <laughs> Have you been on projects that use web components in production? Everybody wants to know if it's production worthy. Like web components in general. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people think they're this thing that's going to bridge the gap and it's like standards compliant and you know, whatever. But everyone talks a big talk and then uses React. Like, <laughs> have you been on on projects that actually use it like successfully in the wild? Totally. Yeah, I was a huge Stencil fan and was pretty involved in that ecosystem for a while. I think web components are awesome. I think the critics have some good points. There are some rough edges, but it's also something that like is going to be in the platform forever. So you need to take mm-hmm. your time and get it right. And I'm really excited for, I don't know what story Astro can play in web component land. I think that might be something really interesting that we look into. Like our new website, we just kind of dropped a couple web components in there. 
so yeah astro.build there you go there's some web components on there nice (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say the production target can vary depending on what you're talking about right like the traffic our site gets versus the traffic astro gets versus the traffic like SaaS product gets versus the traffic Microsoft.com gets, right? Like there's a big difference there in what risk you're willing to take and, you know, what's the outcomes anyway on the site. We could throw those things together tomorrow, but, you know, Astro, especially today, is probably going to get a lot of traffic. Totally. So to like put that out there and see how they perform and what happens, I mean, that seems cool. Yeah. I mean, it's really minimal overhead for custom logic, which is really cool. You know, it's kind of the early Angular idea that was just like, look, you can drop a tag in there and it does your thing. Like, that's kind of what web components are. And that's really exciting. And I'll also call out Fred K. Schott, who's our CEO and envisioned a lot of Astro with us, was part of the Polymer team at Google for a while. So Mm. definitely there's a lot of history with our team and web components. So, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But I'm a big fan. Yeah, I forgot about Polymer. I remember how exciting that was. Like, what was that maybe almost 10 years ago at this point? It feels like a little while. It was like a little bit after React. And we we're like, well, here's this other thing that's going to, you know, working towards more what it natively should be. And we can mimic that for now and so on and so forth. Yeah, it was a good story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What wasn't 10 years ago at this point? Like, <laughs> we think all these frameworks are, are new and hot, but like everything's getting pretty old. Like, I mean, Astro's new, but solid, lit, like all these things with cool hip names for the youngins <laughs> is like, uh, I haven't tried that many of them, to be honest, but I'd like to. Yeah, it would be cool to be able to do a little more R&D. I was going to say, I put my first React component into production, I want to say 2013, 2014. Hmm. We had just launched a backbone application and then react was like a bunch of buzz and so i just used it on a singular like sign-in component i was working at national geographic at the time so it was like going out pretty heavy traffic so i felt really cool about that i was like whoa it didn't break it didn't no it worked (laughs) yeah i love that story because like you just dropped in a react component to do one thing right yeah and that's astro is like perfectly positioned for that because you don't need to build your entire thing with React. Like so many of your components are just markup and styling. Mm-hmm. And you really don't need like JS that's going to end up in the browser just to do that. That's true. There's probably a lot of overhead just to get an HTML component, right? Yeah. Yeah. These dumb components are almost useless. Yeah. If you want to put it that way, Astro is all dumb components. It's like <laughs> it's all on the server. <laughs> yeah. It's never going to end up in the browser. I love how it comes full circle, too. Yeah, it definitely does. Let's talk about this a couple of times about how it used to be like server rendered things and a little jQuery to, you know, to make it look cool. Yeah. Too slow. Let's do it all client side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? The whole app is there and then all your back end devs get really mad. No, I don't want to learn JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> back to your question about like what didn't make the cut for 1.0. Like that's a story we're really interested by is like what would a spa mode and Astro look like? Or can we do HTML over the wire and updates like that? Like there's a lot we want to explore and hopefully having this kind of stable foundation is going to give us the time to do that. So, yeah, I think the only thing that I know of that is missing, and this is just a problem with anything that like renders real HTML Mm -hmm. is page transitions. Yes. Like I can't fade in and out. And that's like the only thing that I am missing from like, so our 
site is in Nuxt right now, so I'm working on converting it to mm-hmm. Astro and Nuxt 3 at the same time. Get a, a good uh, comparison. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But yeah, it's like, it's really awesome because there's maybe 30 or 40 dependencies in Nuxt and in Astro it's like five. Yeah. And then like there's zero JavaScript shipped. So like, oh, that's really cool. But then I click a link and it like gross loads everything in and I'm like, oh no, like <laughs> that needs to fade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's better than it was. I think there's a lot of things the platform has done. Yeah, I'm just going to geek out for a second because this is something I sure. care about a lot. So <laughs> for a while, I think SPAs were solving this problem where like your page would literally go white and then it would be like a second and then your new page would come in. Yeah. So they actually like browsers actually hold your UI now so that hopefully it's less jarring, but you definitely still feel it, right? It's not perfect. So I think there's a lot of stuff that's coming that I'm really excited about. Like the new navigation API, I think is shipped in Chrome already. And that's an update to the history API, which Mm. if you've ever built a router is just like really wonky and missing a lot of stuff that you have to implement yourself. So the navigation API is really cool. You basically get like a navigate event and then respond to it. And that's it. It has all the information you need and you don't need to write like, oh, where in the stack am I? And like all this crazy stuff that you had to do by hand before. Mm. So you could just listen to that and like fade everything out and fade everything in theoretically. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's cool. So you can do that. And then Google Chrome is also working on, I think it's an origin trial. So it's not spec track yet, but the page transitions API Mm -hmm. is super exciting because it's actually one of the first things I've seen in a while that is CSS based. That's not like let's add more JavaScript for all of this, but you can actually like use CSS to say, hey, when I navigate, like hold this element here mm. and it's going to match with this element and they'll like, by default, it'll like crossfade and be a seamless transition. Interesting. So yeah, I want that. There's work on that and I'm I'm really excited to see where it goes. I mean, is part of this story also about caching and just serving the page faster kind of thing or well that's part of the problem because once you've everyone's loaded it once yeah or someone has loaded it once depending on your caching strategy yeah it's much faster yeah yeah for sure but still it's that little like it's just a little bit more polished <laughs> it's like almost imperceptible yeah yeah like the average person probably doesn't notice that much. They might think like that felt a little janky, but they wouldn't know why or whatever. Right. But I know I'm like, I want that to fade in. <laughs> I was going to say, this sounds very much like a Robbie problem. Yeah. You want to solve it through <laughs> some kind of like transition API. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's look at our caching. <laughs> yeah. Let's improve the cache story. It definitely is. It's a pain point. And I think Astro is making a big bet on multi-page apps being the right default. I think we're seeing that more like projects like quick are defaulted to that. Even your spa frameworks are still rendering multi-page apps on the server. Mm -hmm. And then just so you can pick it up on the client. Right. Mm -hmm. So we think that's the right default. And then hopefully layering in that, that extra polish on top of uh, the default MPA is like, it's a good progressive enhancement and Whatever. If you don't want JavaScript, you can turn it off and it'll still work fine. They're just anchor tags. Yeah, I think that's the correct way to go because like it's just more close to like what's 
the browser was built to do, right? So it's yep. going to hopefully, you know, once the browsers catch up to do those nice little transitions, it's like imperceptible from from any other app. And shipping hundreds of kilobytes or megabytes or however much JavaScript you might have just to like get nice transitions is not worth it. Yep. Right. And for me, I want to have 20 tabs open <laughs> and I don't want to have to close Chrome, you know, once a week in order to like kill that. You just need hundreds of gigs of RAM. Yeah. That fixed that problem. Yeah, I know. That's the problem is that ever growing RAM over like Chrome state <laughs> feels crazy yeah. for half of the things that I'm actually doing. So it's the only reason why I need an expensive MacBook Pro. Otherwise, I'm editing text <laughs> files. So yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. And NPM install. Yeah. <laughs> need that to sort of go faster. That's another space. Like, I'm very excited seeing a lot of innovation in the like runtime, JavaScript runtime space. Yeah. Obviously, Astra right now is built on Node and that's I don't think changing anytime soon unless somebody knows something I don't. But uh, we're definitely keeping going to cl- be bun. Deno, Deno. <laughs> we're keeping a close <laughs> eye on bun. Like there's some really cool stuff out there and we're definitely keeping a close eye on it. I mean, Ryan's doing some stuff with Deno and he's telling you these are the mistakes I made. I'm fixing them over here. Yeah. Is it Deno or Dino? Have we decided this? <laughs> I don't know. I think we debate it every time. But I like I like Deno. Is Dino, is it a little dinosaur thing? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a little dinosaur image, which makes me think it's Dino, like from Flintstones. Right, yeah, that's true. Yeah, however you want to say it, I really like it. And actually, Astro kind of borrows the TypeScript first philosophy that like that's just a good default. So that's one thing we did, which our front matter is all TypeScript. Actually, if you write a script tag, that's also TypeScript. You can put oh, wow. an interface or props in there. Yeah. Huh. Like, it just seems like a sensible default that, like, you shouldn't have to turn that on. I know some people don't love it, but we're kind of hoping, because it's a superset in most cases, that, like, just a relaxed TypeScript config can work for people that don't really love it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Is uh, Astro a monorepo? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we use PNPM. It's a big old monorepo. Mm. I don't know if you've listened to this podcast. Why do you ask, Chuck? (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple of things Robbie hates in this world, and one of them are monorepos. Yeah. I mean, we've had the debate on the team as well. I think debugging monorepo problems is just like, why am I even doing this? Like, Mm -hmm. this is so stupid that you don't even know it's a problem until you deploy because suddenly you're not in a monorepo and something else changes. Like, it's a big pain point. But I think for our speed and how quickly we need to change everything, like I can't really imagine not having a monorepo. I think the problem with monorepos is the tooling, honestly. So like mm-hmm. a lot of nice tooling is starting to come out for them. But like yeah. my big complaint before was like, all right, your only choice really is like yarn workspaces and like Lerna. Yeah. And so then it's like, if you want to yarn link one of your sub packages, like I, I'm publishing 10 packages and I need to like yarn link this one and debug something or whatever. It's like, no, you just can't do that. Like, yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff now that fixes those problems. But that was my big problem is like, I find a bug in an open source project. I want to go fix it. I try to like yarn link the thing <laughs> that I'm trying to fix and it doesn't work. So I'm like, I'm not going to fix it then. Like, yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hopefully 
I think our setup has been massaged quite a bit to the point where we're happy with it. But we're using like PNPM, which is really awesome. It's very fast and just good defaults. Like Yarn Workspaces was like very leaky with your dependencies. Like everything was just available. And PNPM kind of solves that problem. Oh, nice. And a lot of other ones. So, yeah, we're big fans of PNPM. Nice. Good recommendation. Yeah. I have not actually used it in a project yet, but I intend to. Every time someone is like, oh, should we use Yarn or NPM? Like, why not PNPM? Just to see if I can get someone to bite and then I can use it. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. There you go. Same thing happened with me. Like, I just kept hearing so many people that I respect being like, it's pretty good. And I finally had to give it a shot. So, yeah, I like it, too. Yeah, I've heard it's like super, super fast compared to anything else. Yeah. Fast is good. Should we whatnot a little? We should. We've been going down a rabbit hole of tech here, but uh, <laughs> I hear that you like uh, national parks and are trying to go to all of them. Yeah. I mean, it's a life goal. I think it's going to take most of my life, but uh... <laughs> it's good. Yeah. How many are there? Do you know? Ooh, 60 something. Yeah. I was just saying, I remember uh, I got a gift for a family member and it was like this bracelet. And then you got these little rings for every national park you've been to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they were like 60 something rings. So. Yeah. So by the time you're done, it's like on the ground, like super heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've got a little scratch off poster in our living room <clears throat> and we're just slowly scratching off. I think we're, we're still below 10 for sure, but, uh, we just went to Great Smoky Mountain National Park, oh, which was beautiful. Yeah. Also by the Whiskey Trail. So I did not get to stop, but <laughs> my wife was <laughs> surprising me for my birthday and we stayed in Lexington oh. and uh, we were driving by the Whiskey Trail and I was like, oh, is that the surprise? Are we going to that? And she was like, no, maybe that would have been a better choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lexington was think like frankfurt and buffalo trace probably would have been the closest to there yep right yeah definitely passed him yeah i've done it a couple of times it is recommended although it's probably healthier to do the uh you know the national parks yeah yeah. well i was uh at the grand canyon a couple weeks ago so oh that's awesome i could check that off for you yeah so our rule is we have to go there together so there's a couple that I've been to, like I've been to Glacier on my own. Mm-hmm. I think she's been some places in California, but those don't count. We got to get there together. But yeah, you say it's very healthy to do that, but we're we're very much glampers. Mm. So we're like in the car, like as comfy as possible. <laughs> but just yeah, just drive in. We'll definitely do a hike, but we're not like hardcore outdoor people. Yeah, I'm the same. I uh, I mean, get an RV or just get a cabin. I'd rather do that too. do a little hiking, whatever else. I don't want to camp. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'll hike a half mile to a really nice cabin. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. That's yeah. the way to do it. You got to do Zion. Yeah, because you can get some nice hotels right outside the park and then take the little bus up in, do you know a nice hike or two. It's amazing. Do a Jeep tour nice. to like some really cool Ooh, Jeep tour areas. Yeah, you do a Jeep tour like through the red sands and go to some cool stuff like Zion's probably one of my favorite that sounds awesome yeah have not gotten there we did uh about a year ago we rented an rv and did uh through north dakota uh we got to yellowstone and Mm -hmm. the tetons and then kind of looped back around saw the badlands and theodore roosevelt national park so those were all super cool it's funny we had our dogs with us and 
you can't really bring your dogs into a national park. You can, but they they have to stay where the cars are. Right. So it's not the most convenient. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they they kind of stayed in their car. Definitely anytime like a bison or a wild horse walks by, we are just like shoving treats in their mouth because they had to be <laughs> quiet or yeah. they would charge at us. <laughs> that was a little nerve wracking. Right. But a lot of fun. Yeah. Try taking some small kids. What kind of dogs do you have? We have a pit beagle mix. He's really cute. His name is Graham. He's like 30 pounds. Um, he's like, people are like, is that a puppy? They're <laughs> like, no, he's fully grown. He's just a weird size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a weird mix. Pit beagle. Yeah, he was a rescue. I don't actually know what he is. I'm just guessing pit beagle. Mm. But like we've looked up on Instagram, like pit beagle mix. And it's like, oh, that's Graham. That's like, <laughs> that's a twin. Nice. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, two French bulldogs, and they uh, don't listen to anything. So that would be a bad, uh, bad time for them. They would just bark at everything, and it would charge our car, and we'd be dead. Yeah, <laughs> you just let them out and become bear food. You're like, listen, it's us or you. No, we couldn't do that. They'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> How fast are you? Because a bear is fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we just went to Great Smoky Mountains. Did not see a single bear, which is like oh. the biggest disappointment in the world. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, they're known for bears, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. We were staying in a cabin and everything. Oh, wow. I was pretty terrified. I was like, I'm going to see a bear. Like right when we pulled up, the way we got out of our car, I was like, there's got to be bears like right here and they're coming for us. <laughs> they're coming for you. <laughs> not the case. Didn't see a single bear. So, hmm. huh. You should put some food outside. Yeah, that would do it. Yeah. <laughs> that would probably do it, you know, and you get some great pictures, you know, everybody's happy. How strong is the door? I don't know. Actually, I've been in the Smoky Mountains once and we did see a couple of bears, but they were like small bears, which also made you think like mom's not too far. So I'm going to get mm-hmm. the hell away from those bears. Mm-hmm. But yeah, totally. Yeah. We were driving into Yellowstone and, uh, just this little cub like walks in front of our car and my wife was like, oh, that's a huge bear. And I was like, that's a baby. Like, that's a very small bear. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure the the big one is very close by. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we got out of there in a hurry. Yeah. The big ones are like, what, like seven feet, eight feet? How tall are they? Grizzlies or like brown bears? I think it's brown bears, right? In the Smoky Mountains. So, yeah, it might be a little bit smaller than that, but they're. They're big. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Didn't see any. They're bigger than me because mm. I'm not tall. <laughs> They're pretty huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I went to Arizona actually when we were up in uh, up north for uh, the Grand Canyon. And there's this Williams is a town. I don't know, a couple out uh, like an hour outside of Flagstaff and like an hour outside of the Grand Canyon. So that's where we stayed. And then we went to this other thing. It's called Arizona, And they have this whole drive through thing, though. So it's like you go into different sections and you're like, oh, here's wool, you know, gray wolves, white wolves. Oh, here's reindeer, bison. Oh, here's whatever, you know, brown bears. And it's like a drive through zoo. Kind of. But it's sort of open and it's only like sort of sectioned off the animals from each other, but fairly loosely. And, you know, the bears just don't really pay attention to you. You keep your windows up. Nobody like feeds them and you're just driving really slowly. They're hanging out. They might be eating. They're like, oh, I want to cross the street. They just walk in front of you. It was Hmm. awesome. That's super cool. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I would have thought they would be more curious about these cars 
Yeah, I think they've been there a bit, and I think they're curious <laughs> if you fed them, but they've been like, oh, yeah, this is not a food source. We don't care. Right. Unless you put your windows down, and then you're the food source. Yeah. <laughs> so There's no food in there. Not interested. Yeah, this is the bear episode, by the way. So <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Check out BearJS. <laughs> oh man i better go register that right now just gonna push an empty package <laughs> to npm right now i bet it exists npm's gotta have bear <laughs> that's like a common phrase attack your clients yeah. what Oof, seems bad i'm honestly amazed that we got astro i don't even know it may have been like an unused package mm. that somebody donated to us i really can't remember at this point but like hmm. It's a pretty good name. It's not Googleable, mm-hmm. so that's not good. And we found that out after we chose it. <laughs> it's like, what do we Google? I don't know. AstroJS. AstroJS usually works. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. But it's hard. Any JS framework, that's what I slap on. Like random word, JS. Let's see if it's there. Totally. But like hashtag Astro, like lots of K-pop. You're not going to get anything JavaScript related. Mm. Oh, is there like a K-pop band called Astro? There was. Yeah. I only know BTS. Mm. My son is very into BTS because my son is almost six and his kindergarten now first grade teacher. She's obsessed with BTS. So she got all these kids into BTS. <laughs> That's very <laughs> funny and very cruel. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, if you've seen some of their videos, not great. Some <laughs> catchy, some not great. They have catchy stuff. Yeah, some catchy, some like, what is this? He just wants to watch them all. That was a fun phase. Yeah. Did you see they put out like a three CD pack or something? I didn't. First off, CDs still exist. And second off, the third CD of their thing it like was CD only. Like you can't even get it on like Spotify and stuff. Oh, wow. That's really pushing people into like that retro yeah. experience. It's almost like yeah. vinyl for. I think they wanted to sell real. <laughs> I was going to say. Like, yeah. It's like vinyl for Zoomers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some bands will do like cassette tapes. I've heard of that. <laughs> I didn't know it has crept up all the way to CDs. Like, that's what's cool now. It's like bad fidelity. It's the only thing worse is an A track, though, you know? Yeah. I mean, records are actually good. Like, yeah, we just made CDs because they're small. Right. Yeah. But like, are we going to make fancy CD players that like just spin the CD like a a record (laughs) player and we can like see it and like in our living rooms? I think you could do that or that has existed at some point. That would be interesting. I don't know. I'm a minimalist, though. I don't want all that crap. Yeah, we have a record player that connects to Sonos and it uh, hasn't worked in a long time Mm. because it didn't support switching your Wi-Fi network name. And we changed our Wi-Fi network and can never (laughs) use it again. You had to get a new chip to put in it, which we haven't done yet. (laughs) Bricked your Sonos. Yeah, that's rough. Wow. That's some expensive hardware to just not be able to switch wi-fi networks yeah yeah it's not a sonos problem it's a the company is called turntable like t-r-n-t-b-l oh your turntable got it but it like connects straight to sonos so you don't have to plug it in gotcha so it was cool until it didn't work i feel like tech people always want to have clever wi-fi network names what is your wi-fi network what was it what is it now it was so it was named on based on our address before it was like oh. 101 Cameron Muse or whatever. Hack that and one. And now it's just the Wagners, like our name. <laughs> so like mm. I was like, oh, the Wagners will work everywhere. It doesn't matter what our address is. And mm. but yeah, it's it's different. So it won't connect. Ours is Gramnet because we're big fans of our dog. So, <laughs> <laughs> OK, 
Yeah, I did like a, a cat thing before because when I first got together with my wife, was started living with my wife. She had cats. They tried to kill me. That's a whole other story. <laughs> Mine has been a couple of different things, but now it is FBI surveillance van. Awesome. Because oh. I want to mess with my neighbors. You're that guy. Yes. <laughs> nice. I'm sure they think it's a real van. <laughs> or nobody's going to try and hack that, though, also. Well, that's true. Wouldn't the FBI use a more clever name? No. So the people didn't know they were there? That's what they want you to think. Yeah. <laughs> it's government. Of course they wouldn't. Come on. They would probably use like Netgear 5 or whatever. <laughs> right. And have password 12345. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever the default was for that Netgear router back in the day. Yeah. All right. Well, we're we're over time here. Before we end here, is there anything we missed? Uh, anything you'd like to plug? Any stuff you'd like to say? No, go check out Astro.Build. We just launched 1.0 and the new website. And uh, give it a try. Let us know what you think. All right, cool. That's all. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, Thanks, everybody, boom. for listening. If you liked it, please <laughs> subscribe. And we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.